Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. To start with this week, one question we've been asked a lot recently is whether the recent RRR cut in China marks a turning point in policy. And in our view, it does represent somewhat of a change in tack in that it wasn't targeted, but rather blunt object across the board cut. And typically, this is the sort of move you get when Beijing starts to worry about employment, particularly at smaller businesses. Over the past year, I'd say the Chinese government has been consistent in letting businesses and consumers know what it wants from them, whether that be where bank loans should be targeted or that commodity prices are perhaps viewed as being too high. Now, however, we're starting to get a bit more policy confusion emerging with the commodity sector at the forefront. Releases of state reserves and anti-inflation rhetoric suggest that the overheating concerns remain while the government continues to promote stability in macro policy. Well, this is one of the trickiest points in the policy cycle because the cyclical slowdown in China is accelerating as the fiscal support starts to fade. Given this, well, we expect some more targeted fiscal support to emerge as the second half progresses, even if the central government is still hesitant to pull the stimulus lever again, as reiterated by Prime Minister Li's recent comments to resist flood irrigation in macro policy. We would expect to see special purpose bonds and total social financing accelerate over the coming months. Now, this should help support metals and bulk commodity pricing into the first half of 2022. In terms of the wider market, well, the debate over the transitory nature of inflation continues. And with this, when will central banks start to rein in their accommodative policy? Over the past week, the BMO economics team has looked at the forecasts and they think that even after the transitory dust has settled, core US inflation will be 2.5% in the fourth quarter of 2022. And with this, the first Fed rate hike is now expected to be in the first meeting of 2023. That's the 1st of February, slightly earlier than the team's previous mid-March call. And for commodity markets, well, 2023 therefore looks slightly less positive for precious metals than we would have thought six months ago. However, given that real yields remain negative across many regions of the world, we don't expect a rush for the exits from physically backed ETFs in the same way as during the taper tantrum of 2013. We would reiterate again that for gold miners, and indeed for metals and mining as a whole, cash flow is expected to remain extremely robust into the medium term relative to historical norms. One thing we'll be watching for more details on over the coming weeks is the planned steel production cuts in China. We think this will be an important test case for China's decarbonisation push. All year, the NDRC has been making noises around steel production falling year on year in 2021 to help carbon reduction. However, after such a strong first half of the year in terms of steel output, this has become essentially an impractical suggestion. And we've noticed that messaging now looks to have shifted towards ensuring that exports don't rise year on year rather than production, which is, in our view, a more achievable target. If we look at the first half, uh, export volumes just under 75 million tonnes per annum. Well, these would have to drop to about 34 million tonnes per annum in the second half to see no year on year growth. And if that's going to be the case, that should support global steel prices. We should have less deflationary pressure coming out from China. 
We'd expect more strategic commentary for the China Iron and Steel Association, also around sourcing semi-finished steel from the import market, which will in turn, in our view, point Chinese producers towards investments in hot-end capacity overseas, perhaps in ASEAN, perhaps in East Africa, and essentially, this is offshoring carbon emissions. For raw materials markets, this might reduce some of the acute pressure, as in, given the uncertainty in the near term, Chinese buyers may well step back though we still expect a pretty strong premium for high-grade iron ore products given where we expect steel prices to be and given the pressure on the rest of the productive capacity in China to operate at high levels. Lastly this week, I just wanted to mention the recently published EU Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism plans. Well, there remains a, a great deal of unknowns around scope and impact and how it may be taken by trading partners. We're going to see pushback from them. We're going to see pushback from downstream European and consumers. The legislation itself could have a wider, longer-term impact for cost and trade dynamics, certainly for steel and aluminium in the first instance, and then maybe other metals we brought in further down the line. Bigger question, though, is this the end game for carbon in Europe? Well, in our view, it's not. Countries and suppliers will adapt, whether that be through mitigating emissions or putting through their own carbon tax structure uh, and therefore getting rebates. And thus the greeniums you're likely to see for low carbon material, well, they're just a temporary stop on the longer term path of carbon mitigation measures. We actually foresee a market where consumers, first in Europe and eventually globally, start to define maximum embedded carbon in raw material specifications, much in the same way that they might define acceptable chemistry or, or product form. Thus, rather than a greenium or premium for green material, eventually it becomes a bit of a binary situation. Either material qualifies or it doesn't, and economics would very quickly drive the necessary response from the supply side. Also, this would encourage further exploration of carbon mitigation technologies, such as, for example, hydrogen-based steelmaking, to help meet global targets. And it's not impossible to see items such as consumer and capital goods forced to include embedded emission metrics under marketing material, which would further accelerate this mitigation process. And thus, while this uh, carbon border adjustment mechanism may seem like a bit of a quantum leap at the moment, many years down the line might well be viewed as little more than a short-life catalyst which drove further, wider carbon mitigation action across metals and other carbon-intensive raw materials. Well, thank you again for listening this week. As always, we are happy to discuss any questions you have about metals markets. Please do just get in touch directly. And please join me again to discuss more pertinent issues for the global industry in the next Metal Matters. Thanks for listening to Into, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Intune on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast providers. Or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more podcasts. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. Access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com slash public dash disclosure.